Oh, and welcome back. Season of Sam Podcast. We just keep moving it. Moving it along here in Southern California. I'm Yogi Rock, joined by Sam Darnold. Sam, how are we feeling today? I'm great. Yeah, I just had a great breakfast. Uh, ready to go. What'd ready you, to roll. What did you knock out today for breakfast? Uh, just a little eggs, hash browns, nothing crazy. Had a banana. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy, but um, yeah, I just keep it simple. Speaking of crazy, how was the game over the weekend? Because it seemed crazy watching it on television, but it looked as though from afar... It was just, this is the course of our team, and we're just going to keep plotting snap after snap. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> definitely seemed that way to me. I mean, I haven't beaten Stanford since I've been here. So wanted to get that win for Coach Helton and wanted to get it for everyone involved with the preparation uh, that was involved with it because it did take a lot of preparation. And it's always going to take a lot of preparation when you play a team like Stanford. And I think that's the beauty of football. Um, because you have all week to prepare for a game on Saturday, and then you just do it all over again with the with the next team. And I think that's um, that's special uh, for for what football stands for. And um, I don't think it's something you really get in any other sport. You know, it's interesting when you talk to Coach Helton; he's always talking about <clears throat> the players and doing everything for the student athletes. Do you guys have a chance to say, hey, Coach? You know, we finally got one for you. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's awesome to just. Go out there and play with Coach Helton's attitude uh, that he really thrusts upon us. And it's just, he's such a great leader of men, too. Uh, he always talks about him being such a family man. And, uh, you know, he has his three kids and then adopts 105. We've all heard it before, but it's it's really true. And I think with him having that attitude uh, that he brings towards this team and towards leading this team to victories, I think, with him, anything's really possible, and it's awesome to uh, just be able to go out there and get a win for him. If you rewind growing up, were you the kid that played the game where you had like a tennis ball or like a rolled up you know, burrito wrapper? Would you try to like throw it in the garbage can <laughs> oh, yeah. from 10, 15 feet away? Yeah, I'd shoot it and yell Kobe. So, uh, no, I was always kind of just messing around with my friends like that, and uh, no, that was always something... That I would do if I would finish a burrito and uh, just kind <clears> of <throat> toss it in the trash can and yell Kobe. So hey, did you yell Kobe on Saturday? Because it seemed <laughs> as though there were a couple dimes that you just put into that specific place. Uh, I didn't yell Kobe on the field at all. <laughs> but um, no, I, I felt great out there. And it was good to be able to bounce back from what I think uh, was a game that I struggled in uh, against Western Michigan. And uh, just finally had my feet under me again. And was able to kind of make some plays and just felt good. And I think everyone around me was clicking too. The offensive line did a great job picking up certain pressures. Uh, the running backs also with picking up pressures and obviously running the rock. Uh, they ran for, I think, 309 yards, which is something special. And uh, whenever you can end a game running the ball, it's, it's so, uh, I guess, it's just awesome for an offense to be able to uh, do that. And then our receivers, you know, they, they, they came so far um, from where they were week one. And just to see a, such a young group uh, mature and grow so fast, uh, it's something special and something that I'm going to continue to look forward to every single week. You're clearly a stable of backs, stable of wideouts. I, when I watch your games, I get, like, the coach's copy, the L22. So they're not necessarily, like, zoomed-in shots. Mm -hmm. And when I watched the Stanford game, I came home from the game I broadcast. <clears throat> 
and watch the TV copy. Mm. And I saw a shot of number seven, your running back. <laughs> I want to know, because he looked like he was 25. No, he's special. I'm curious what your first thought was, not of him as a player, but like when he walks in the building and mm. you're like, whoa, who's the rip dude that just walked into the <laughs> weight room as a, only a true freshman? Yeah, uh, Steven's, Steven's going to be special here. Uh, he has qualities of 2-5 for sure, uh, same qualities as Rojo. Um, but and I think Rojo would be the first one to admit he's got way better ball skills than Rojo had freshman year. And now Rojo's worked on it and he's he's been catching the ball great. Um, but Stevens just he's also doing a great job in protection as well. You know, I'd be um excited if I didn't mention that, but um I think just to see how far Stevens come from where he was when he first got here in the summer to where he is now and how he's just embraced uh, when he's out there on Saturdays, just having fun. And uh, that's what I like to preach whenever we go out there for a big drive. We're trying to put the game away in, in uh, the last four minutes. I just say, guys, have fun. Um, obviously, you know, stay in bounds and uh, protect the ball, but just have fun. And you, we've been doing it for so long as college uh, football players. Um, so just to be able to go out there and have fun, do what we do, and just have a blast with each other. It's, it's, it's so special to me. That statement of go have fun, have as much fun as we can, reminds me of an era at USC that was headlined by Coach Carroll. He's going to be our guest today on the Season of Sam podcast. Before we talk about him, I'm curious where you were during the Texas game. You're a SoCal kid, grew up cheering, rooting for Matt Leinart, Carson, that era of guys. Did you watch the game? And what was going through your mind when you watched it? Yeah, uh, I watched the game with my dad, I think. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't remember too much about it because I was pretty young, but um, yeah, I just, I remember just my dad being super, super bummed out about the loss, and that kind of dawned on me more than uh, I think the game did, just because I saw my dad so bummed out, and haven't really seen him that bummed out before in my life, so uh, it was just, it was pretty funny, but no, I just, I think watching that game and you know, I really do think that USC dominated that game and we just killed ourselves. And um, it's going to be it's going to be fun to interview Coach Carroll. Um, I'm super excited, uh, really nervous, actually, uh, to get this opportunity to interview him. But, um, you know, I have I have some good questions, I think. And, you know, I'm just really excited. So we always talk about quarterbacks preparing for an opponent in a defense. How do you prepare for these interviews, specifically with a guy like Pete, who you've never met before? Right. Yeah, sometimes it can be awkward uh, just because I've never met Coach Carroll, and obviously he's a head coach in the NFL, and, you know, I'm going to treat him with respect, obviously, but at the same time, if I ask him a hard question, I might feel a little awkward doing it because I don't know what he's going to think of me. So... um, there's definitely that, I guess, dilemma there with kind of the questions I might ask him. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, so I think it'll be fun. But uh, hopefully he doesn't get upset with any of the questions that I ask him because I wouldn't want that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Well, I think he's going to love that type of mentality. One of his favorite phrases is to make sure that you let it rip in life. So mm-hmm. we're going to bring in Coach Carroll, and we're going to let it rip in the Season of Sam podcast with journalist. Sam Darrell asking the tough ones. All right, Coach Carroll, welcome to the Season of Sam podcast, man. We appreciate you joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be there. I'm uh, watching closely, as you know, and uh, cheerleading as much as anybody. And uh, fight on, Sam. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you too, Coach. Well, 
Yeah, I appreciate it so much. I mean, to be honest, I'm really nervous for this. Uh, <laughs> I've looked up to you and uh, USC football my whole life, and then just to become a part of it is so so special for me. But um, this moment right here is something I'll never forget, and I really do appreciate you coming on. Thanks for that. I, I won't let you down here. What do you got? Just kind of my, I mean, we're going to ask you about the Texas game, obviously, uh, but probably hold that till the end. Um, but I just want to ask you about uh, your transition a little bit and maybe college players and their transition into the NFL. So what would be maybe the best advice you would give to a guy who's trying to maintain that success they had in college in the NFL? Well, yeah, Sam, because I was in college football for a long time, and then I, and then I went to the NFL for like 16 or 17 years, and then I went back to college for nine years, and then now here I'm back again for eight years. And I've been back and forth so much that I do feel somewhat qualified to kind of you know make comments about the transition you know, for coaches one and and then for players two. Um, if you want to talk about players first, then um, uh, you know I think it's a, it's a it's a more natural transition than you might think. And one of the big tenets that we try to present to our players is that it's just football, and it isn't as big as as you may think. That the changes that occur are more in the other side of your life than it is with your football life. Football becomes more focused, more centralized. You know, you have more time, more opportunity to, to really dive into it. And for the most part, the guys that love the game, it's really fun to be that engaged. You know, you don't have to go to class and you don't have those other things that, that, mm-hmm. that kind of take away from, you know, the, the ability to focus on your game. So that, that becomes e- even easier than you'd think. Um, and it's constant and it's long and the season is a long, a long haul and all that. But, it's, but the ball is not that much different. It's the rest of this. It's moving away from home. It's being on your own. It's having a, a, money that you've got to figure out how to, how to utilize it or how, how to put it away and all those things. There's, uh, you know, life changes somewhat because you, you don't have the same kind of um, togetherness with the freshman class that you came in with. You know, you kind of come in, you're one of six or seven or eight guys, maybe ten guys on the team that are new. And so you, you don't have that, that camaraderie and kind of that common ground. That, that's more difficult than, than you might think. And so guys have to find their way with that. Some guys it's easy for and some guys it's a struggle for. But um, all in all, the transition is not difficult. The, transi- yeah, the transition really kind of comes to you, and with some good mentoring or, or people on the staff where you go that, that care, it can really be uh, very smooth and, and, and really a lot of fun. Yeah, and you talk about that transition and how you, I think, need to just – I think the biggest thing I got out of that just now was just to continue to have fun. And that's what I preach all the time to people who interv- interview me and ask me about how I continue to um, just deal with all the pressures and I think just embracing everything and just having fun with it is the biggest thing for me and for your team uh, how do you guys manage to have fun because I know that's that's kind of your mantra I guess or or your I guess maybe what you're known for as a head coach is having fun so um, how are you able to balance that and also taking it obviously serious as it is all of your guys' jobs. Well, you know, the game has always been uh, fun for me, and it's always been something that I loved doing and enjoyed and, and, and really liked doing and never saw anything but, but the good times in it. You know, and, and being basically and fundamentally optimistic and, and a positive thinker, you know, I, I look towards things happening for the good, you know, and so 
that helps me keep an outlook, you know, that, that you know, we're going to turn the corner, we're going to make the play, we're going to win the game, we're going to win the championship, you know, until you just can't. And so uh, that outlook has kind of always given me an, an, uh, an air of wanting others to share in that. You know, I, I think it's a good place to be for your focus. It's a good way to handle the, the stresses and the, and, and the pressures. Um, and because a lot of that comes from fear of failure, you know, the fear that you're going to make a mistake or that you're not going to be worthy, you're not going to get done what everybody wants you to get done. That's the stress that comes along with it. And I don't think that way. So um, I try to convey that in every way to my players, my coaches, in our language, in our day-to-day, in, in our outlook for the future and how we handle adversity, how we handle success, um, is all with the thought that this we're lucky to be here, we're going to enjoy the heck out of it, and we'll be better if we, are, if, if we look to the future with, with the positive in mind. So um, I'm pretty tuned into that. If, if, if I'm saying that, I, and I mean it, I'm gonna, I have to be the promoter of all of that. So that's why, you know, Sam, we've, we've built our whole philosophy around competition. And I've found that the guys and coaches, when they're competing and there's something a little bit at stake, you know, whether it's, it's in practice or whether you're shooting hoops in the meeting room or, or, or whatever you could, you know, we're doing open quizzes, offense versus defense or whatever. When there's something at stake, our guys like it. And, and so we've built everything uh, around uh, competing. And that's kept us on you know, kind of on track with, you know, somebody's going to lose, somebody's going to win, and, and we're going we're gonna to deal with that and have fun with that as well. And so uh, um, that, that's just an ongoing mentality, and uh, if we're not having fun, then I'm messing it up. And so that, I, I put the pressure on myself. We've got to keep figuring out ways. And, and so that's why we built it that way, and, and it's real. That, that's not a, you know, just kind of talk. That's a real thing. And uh, so I just don't want to miss that, and I want to make sure that this game is always fun for our guys, and that's the way they hold it. You know, Coach, this whole podcast for Sam is about creating a, a master class. And, you know, we've talked about quarterbacks being seekers, seekers of knowledge, insight, the game. I'm curious for, for you, you know, being around so many great quarterbacks, whether it's Steve Young back when you were with the Niners back in the day, obviously everybody here at SC when you were rolling, um, and now with Russell, is there a, a commonality that you've seen among those elite QBs in your career? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they, um the special awareness that the guys have, their, their savviness, their their um, their emotional IQ, their their uh, you know just their wit, um, it's the the depth of their 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 makeup has always been really obvious to me, and and uh, they've had uh, they they see things differently, you know, and they they can play with with their uh, kind of with their intellect more, and and, and they they have very active you know, visual ability and, and, and observation ability that, that makes them different, you know, and it's why they're fun and they're fun to be around and they, and they, they, uh, they can, they can jump from one kind of one principle to another, you know, very agile, uh, intellectually. Um, so all of those things, and, and, and also they've grown up being successful and they've grown up doing well at, at most everything they do. And, and so they have a confidence and an air about them that allows them to think like there's nothing they can't do. And, you know, there's no challenge too big. And, and they rarely get down uh, and where, you know, other people, you know, have other reasons to think otherwise. And, and so they're a very special group to be around and, and one of my favorite groups to, to interact with because of all that. Yeah, and you... Uh... We talk a lot about kind of, I guess we see we we see now um, more specialization in high school um, with people maybe sticking to one sport uh, as they as they kind of grow up. And I kind of wanted you to talk about maybe your experience with basketball and how that how that uh, 
helped you as a coach, as an athlete, and uh, you mentioned it. You guys play hoops all the time in the uh, in the team room. Uh, how how important is kind of staying diverse and um, with with all the different sports and just uh, with all that? Well, I think that in particular for your position in playing quarterback. Uh, that position calls on everything that you could ever do in, in any bit of awareness you've ever gained from anything that you've done in all sports. And uh, so I, I've always felt like, and this is not just for the quarterback position, I felt this in general, that everybody should play as much as they could play, as diverse a background in their sports as possible because everything counts and everything adds to the makeup and, and what you will call on at some point um, You know, when you play the game at the highest levels. And so... You know, I've I've always discouraged uh, the, the the parents from keeping their kids from playing other sports and, and encouraged them to let them play everything. And you know, I, I'm I don't know this about you, Sam, but I bet you can shoot a hoop and I bet you can hit the golf ball and I bet you were a shortstop and a pitcher, you know, and then all that growing up and and you were a go-to guy in seventh and eighth grade in basketball and you probably could have been in high school if you weren't. I mean, that's just that's just the way that that the, you needed to be all of those things. And I don't even know that, but I, you you needed to be all of those things to be the athlete that can make the decisions in, in this, this unbelievably tasking position in, you know, of quarterback in, in football. There's nothing like it in any sport, and, and um, you, you need all of those. But whether you're – it, it applies um, relatively to other, other positions in the game too. The more background, the more diverse experience that you've had, the more competitive environments you've been in, all of that adds up to your confidence, your ability to handle situations and make great decisions and be the kind of savvy player that you know that you can possibly be. So I, I really discourage it you know, when I hear somebody say, Oh, kid's just gonna play basketball or just play football and not play basketball or baseball anymore. I don't that just doesn't make sense to me if you're really trying to broaden a person's ability on the long on the, for the long haul. Did you did you look at that when recruiting uh, at USC? Did you look at how many sports maybe a kid plays or how fluid he is in other sports? It's the first questions I ask him. The first questions I ask is, what other sports did you play in high school? And tell me what. what and I don't want to just know what they played. I want to know what kind of player they were. And I ask him what position they played in baseball. You know, if a guy played right field in little league, you know, <laughs> sometimes you worry about those guys. You know, so uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to know what they played. I want to know what kind of you know. I'm always looking for the guys to be center fielders, shortstops, or pitchers and catchers, you know, in baseball. If you're a guard, you know, the, when I talked to uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, the first thing I asked him about is, did you, what sports did you play when you were growing up? And were you the best at, at everything you played? Yeah, you know, did, were you the point guard? Yeah, I was the point guard. You know, he, he was everything, you know. Well, that's what that's tells me uh, more about the makeup of a kid. And I want to know, in basketball, what, what kind of a scorer were you? Did you score a lot of points? Were you a rebounder? Did you drive? Were you an outside shooter? You know, and and guys that could that were long range shooters are good golfers. You know, and mm. and lots of times they're, mm. they're, they wind up being they were pitchers because they had that that ability to recreate you know the motor skills that it takes to do things really accurately and all that. So all of that tells me a huge story. And then how much did you win? And did you did you did you not? What were, what were your teams like? You know, and so all all of those background things are more telling to me. And I, I put I kind of paint a picture for a guy. And um, you know I've done it enough where I you know I feel really confident and I can figure a guy out better by knowing all that stuff. Kind of want to transition here into uh, how you manage your team. I mean, because um, at USC sometimes it can hard to be handle or it can be hard to handle a uh, a kid who's a five star coming in here and he has to deal with the reality of you know redshirting and how do you handle guys coming into Seattle? Uh, thinking that they're going to play right away, maybe a first rounder, and then all of a sudden they're they're on special teams and that's it. How does how do you handle that, and 
how do those conversations maybe uh, go down? Well, uh, let me let me take you back to the, the the fundamental aspect of our approach that really tells the story and why we do what we do and how we handle stuff is that we're trying to help each guy be the best he can possibly be, and that that's the baseline. And when you think like that and you really mean it, then that means that you you need to do everything you can to come to understand who that player is and what they're all about and about their background and what makes them tick and, and, and what moves them and what kind of competitor are they and how gritty are they and all of those things. So so to start to paint a picture of, of what a guy needs so that he can he can be supported in his effort to find his best. So the, all of that background stuff, guys come in with, with you know five-star ratings and stuff like that, like whether you're in college or here and they're number one draft picks like you're asking – that all is part of the picture. Of how do they handle it? And and that's basically part of the way we figure guys out whether we choose them as well. But we we you know we we can, you know if a guy's been through it and, and since he was a sophomore in high school he's been the best defensive end you know in the country or something like that that he's going to come in with this the, this background of support and almost it becomes entitlement that that does not allow him to think clearly as a competitor sometimes and they think of themselves in in, in a different way and, and you have to you have to get at that early on and you have to approach the mentality that that, that builds and it, for most kids they can't help it you know they just can't help all of the, the notoriety and all and it puts them in a different mind frame that can make them achieve at a lower level and, and not aspire at the same uh, the same way that another guy who has a chip on his shoulder who's always been having to prove it that, that uh, you know comes in here and, and he doesn't care where he came from he's going to go make his spot for himself there's a difference it's why the, the competitive mm-hmm. nature of the players is, uh, and their makeup is so important to us because we've learned that guys that come in with that big chip and they got they got to prove it they take themselves further than the guys who come in here thinking that they got the world you know uh, on a string here. And so we've learned that. And so the other side of it is we have to nurture that mentality on guys who are not given that. And and so um, I think there's some guys that have been so spoiled, they're never going to make it. And you can't get at them. I, know I, I rarely say never in those kinds of situations, but I've seen it that if you don't approach it properly, they won't ever achieve to their highest level. That's why guys, you know, a lot of guys don't, don't pan out. And, and the guys who have the makeup that will always drive and always push more so do. And so, um, so, uh, that it's, it's through observation, interaction, um, um, all, all of the counseling that we can do to find a guy's best. That's, that's what's important. And sometimes that's, it's breaking down some of those barriers and those kind of, uh, preconceived, uh, notions of themselves. And, um, and sometimes it's harder than, than and to the point where you can't even get through it. And, and because they've been so spoiled. A few years ago, I spent, I spent some time with Michael Gervais, the, uh, the sports psychologist, and I know he spent some time with you guys. How important in those situations and dealing with uh, in the stresses that a player or a coach might deal with on a daily basis, how important is sports psychology? Well, I, I think it's all sports psychology. You know, I, I think everything we're doing is is, is based in, in, in psychology and trying to help people, you know, work their way through their issues and stuff. And so th- there's some guys that are really effective and better than others. Michael Gervais happens to be just w- one of the best in the world at what he does. And, and so uh, we, we got connected a while back and we've interacted. So I, I know that in, just in, you can relate to, to that. His ability to have insights to help people see where they need to go and, and, to, and to find their, their mentality and, and the mindset that they, they need to be at their best 
can be absolutely paramount for the development of somebody. And so that's why we, because we're trying to help guys figure out their way, we got to cover our bases, and we need help in those in those areas too. I do think that all coaches, you know, and, and Coach, Coach Helton is right in the middle of it. You know, he's got, you know, 110 guys he's working with, and he's got to figure it out and figure them out as best he can with the help of his coaches. Knowing you need that, that's to help guys through the problems, the challenges, the ups, the downs, the ins and outs, the whatever it can be. And there's a, therein lies a lot of psychology that's being dealt with. And, and so there is a real place for it. And uh, I do think that there's some people that are highly qualified and some, some that aren't too. So you have to be very careful. Coach, I can remember the, the Texas game like yesterday. I'm sure you can. And it was my first year on your staff. And I'll never forget that – when it ends, um, my only goal was to get to the locker room as fast as possible because I wanted to hear what you were going to say to the team. And one of the things you said was that you would not allow 19 seconds to define this team or this program and the success they had. I'm curious now, as this game is upon us, Texas SC, clearly there's a ton of nostalgia around it. What your takeaways were from that game that's helped you now as a coach, as a leader of young men from that, that night in January about 10, 12 years ago? Well, you know, Yogi, know, the, uh, the, as was the, at the time, you know, I realized that we were at the precipice of something that hadn't been done. You know, you, you could win a championship three times in a row. And, and going into that year, you know, I'd set my sights on just trying to every single thought I could, I could muster to compete, to put us in position to, you know, to create that was, was what I was living with. And, and, and so when it came all the way down to it, and here it is, it's fourth and seven, and, you know, we stop them here, we do it, we don't, we don't, you know, and um, it was it was clear that we had played like we had become, and we were uh, an extraordinary championship club football team, you know, and, and, and group of guys and coaches and all, and players and fans and all that. And the fact that, that, that uh, you know, when, when the, the guy who had the spy on the, on the back, you know, <laughs> And, and the back breaks his route and then takes our guy out and we lose a contain and, and he runs in for a touchdown. That happened, that happened, you know, and, and that was that play. But we had accomplished everything to become who we were already. And we had done all of those things and made those statements and, and stood for something really profound. And I didn't want, I didn't want our guys to not take that with them. And so that was what, what, you know, directed my thoughts at the time. And I would say the exact same thing again. You know, I wouldn't say anything different to those guys in that locker room, you know, and, and uh, because I, I think that's what we had accomplished and we had acquired and we just, you know, some, there was always times, you remember, Yoga, I would say that on some day or some night, there may be some guy that makes plays and does something that, you know, is going to take it over and beyond and it'll, it'll probably take that to beat us. You know, that's the way I used to think. And, and that was that night, you know, when that kid, you know, came through and runs the ball in the end zone and, and he finished off an extraordinary uh, exhibition of ball and 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 they won a football game and we didn't so but the the great championship that in championship mentality and accomplishments that we had acquired you know uh we would take with us for the rest of our lives i hope love it well coach we kind of uh be more appreciative of your time good luck this week and uh thanks for coming on the season of sam podcast yeah well, it was fun being with you guys sam I, I can't wait to see you go again and and uh so so fired up our guys are, you know, we have a lot of trojans around us here everybody follows so closely we're hanging by a thread uh, matter of fact, I was late getting into the team meeting because uh, I, I wanted to see you guys uh, go to 21 last week. <laughs> I want to make sure you guys score before and so I can get get some of my Stanford guys a hard time. So we're with you every every bit of the way and and love everything you're doing. Good luck and, and fight on.
I appreciate it, Coach. Fight on. All right. See ya. All right. <laughs> what was that like for you to interview somebody that you admired growing up? Coach Coach Carroll, he's he's such a normal guy, and I said it, I said it earlier with um, I said it earlier, but it's just it's so amazing to just be able to interview these people who are so high profile and um, everyone knows their name, everyone knows who they are, but you know deep down they're just a normal dude, and I think that's that's the cool thing about doing these interviews. You really you understand that they're just a normal person, but at the same time the things that don't make them normal and the things that allow them to do what they do on a daily basis, make them who they are. Um, those are the little things that I'm trying to get out of them, and I thought I got a little something out of there. Yeah, well, I, I can remember, and Pete alluded to it in the conversation, he would talk to the team, and I believe the teams fall into one of two categories, either hope you're going to win or you know you're going to win. And we had such a knowing about us in his era that it was literally somebody either had to play out of their minds or we had to give it away and turn the ball over five times. That's the only way we are going to get beat. So when Vince Young came in in the Texas game in that ball game and won, I'm this young coach. I sprint down to the locker room. And I'm like, i got to hear what he's going to say. And it was just that. He went crazy. Vince Young went off. We always said somebody had to do it. Don't let 19 seconds define you. And uh, I'm glad you had a chance to just glean a little bit from him because I think Pete is a thought leader, not just one of the more successful coaches in our era. No, and I think that's, that's kind of what makes him special too, in my opinion, is just – his ability to understand life, not just football. And um, talking about Michael Gervais and sports psychology, it's he, he said it. It's we deal with it on a daily basis, not just not just in sport, but all, obviously in life. And I think uh, just getting those little life lessons from Coach Carroll, and I'm sure he, for any player that played under Coach Carroll, they've experienced something that would help them for the rest of their life. And you know, that's something that um, I would like to do in my future if I get the chance to um, make that mark on a, on a young kid. So uh, that's just amazing to see what he's done with his life in such a short amount of time. When you think about our next guest, your mind may instantly go to the Rose Bowl and making plays against Penn State, or this past weekend against Stanford. His wide receiver, Deontay Burnett, was all over the field. But after sitting down with him on the Season of Sam podcast, we learned that his passion for the game comes from a much deeper place, as he hopes he can play forever. Deontay, one of my favorite things that I ever got to witness you do is stay after practice. I love when I remember your freshman year, standing where the media stands, saying, who, who is that over there catching all these one-handed grabs? <laughs> First and foremost, who embedded that type of work ethic in you, and, that, and has that always been part of your story? Well, you know, for me, I've always wanted to work hard and just just overcome all the adversity that came with playing sports. You know, just to just to work hard to give myself confidence. You know, and and first and foremost, to just get better every day. Got it. So, when you were growing up, you idolized the Trojans, right? Right. What about this place was so unique for you, and when did it click in that, if given the chance, I'd go there? Because it happened pretty quick. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I love the tradition here, you know, from the old players to to now, and it's just the tradition is what stands out to me. It's nothing better than throwing on cardinal and gold and black cleats with white laces. So, you know, it's just just surreal. You know, after practice is always fun when practice is open to the community. Mm -hmm. And kids will come up to you and they'll sprint up to you and ask for an autograph 
or maybe they'll probably ask for your practice jersey. You were that guy once, yeah. and you went up to Joe McKnight, I believe, and, right. and he gave you his gloves. Yeah. What about that resonates with you now that you are the man that so many young people are aspiring to be like and grab your gloves? Right. Well, you know, they asked me for them, and I, it's just hard for me to say no. And, and when they come up to me and ask me for autographs, I'm going to stop until uh, it's the last person asking, you know, because, like you said, I was once in that position, and I want to— I just want to make their day because my day was made by Joe McKnight, obviously, when I was when I was younger and I got the chance to come up here and watch them practice. So, you know, that just always sticks with me because I just never want to take anything for granted. So, so take us through that day. Practice ends and you see number four. What happens? Well, you know, uh, Joe McKnight is, was good. So, you know, um, I was with a couple of my friends and, and we were like, there go Joe McKnight. And we actually got the chance to meet him. And he gave us, he gave me some some gloves, and I still have them. They're in my uh, they're in my um, in my shed and in my bag with my Pop Warner stuff. So so from that point on, and till now, I thought about that day, you know. And I just want to give the kids the chance to uh, meet me and meet some of my teammates and make their days because. When I was young, I was in that same position. So that really, that really means something to me. Anyone that meets you talks about how respectful you are, the integrity you carry yourself, whether you're talking to your professors, whether the people that work with you in the athletic department, your coaches. What are your parents like? Um, my parents are a bit like me. You know, my dad is very quiet, doesn't say much. My mom is quiet. Um, only time my mom gets rowdy is when. Uh, on Saturdays, you know, and and my dad tells me the whole story, and <laughs> she's just so happy for me. But my parents are, I can say, I'm like my parents, <laughs> so they're quiet. And you want and your communications degree, or that's your communications major. Yeah. Well, why'd you choose that? Being a guy who is so quiet and not necessarily the most outgoing of individuals. Well, you know, I love sports, and some hopefully someday after my career, I can. Uh, be around sports still and talk about it because I wouldn't mind talking about sports and because it's something that I love. What's the chip on the sh- on your shoulder like if it's if it's there? Um, you know the chip on my shoulder has never left and every day I try to uh, be the first person on the field and the last person off the field and and just keep going as long as my career is going. I just want to have that chip on my shoulder to remind me why I'm playing this sport and how I got to where I am now. And, and honestly, the chip on my shoulder is for me not to get complacent, you know, because I want to get better each and every day, not uh, get worse. If you go back to signing day a couple years ago, you're about to sign your letter of intent with another institution, and you get a call from SC. When you think about this place now, you're a veteran. You see all these kids come in on signing day that necessarily don't get offered in the last waning moment. They are the biggest recruit in the history of the world, and they've got 20,000 social media followers. What do you hope that you teach and showcase to them about when you show up here? It's not about any of that other stuff. It's about the work. Yeah. Well, for me, I try to just tell a lot of kids, a lot of recruits that um, it's what you put on tape, you know, it's a, it's a quiet movie about you every single day you're here. And as long as you go out there and make plays and progress as a football player, um, 
this the sky's the limit for you, you know, and you just got to keep going and keep going. Got to keep going every day. There's no day that you can take off or just say this is just a day. You got to prepare like it's your last snap of football, you know, so be, and just never take it for granted because this game only lasts so long. But the more you the more you uh, prepare yourself, the longer you can go. So it's just about dedication. How hard is that? Um, it, it's not really hard if you love this game. I mean, I love this game, and and I want to play forever, <laughs> but obviously I can't. But I just love this game so much, so I just put my all into it, and I want to get to places that I wanted to when I was little. But right now I'm in college football and I'm focused on college football and you just got to love the game. Where were you when USC played Texas in the national championship game? <laughs> That's funny. I was um, I was in Pop Warner practice and my coach actually let us go early to get to watch the game. We didn't get to watch the first quarter or the second quarter, um, but obviously we got there and it was the third and, you know, um, I had a fr I had friends from my practice come to my house and we were watching the game, but you know it, it was a good game and I'll I'll never forget the day. But yeah. What do you remember about the end? Uh, Texas came on top and and won, but you know I thought that the Trojans played good. You know. This game coming up this week. What are the thoughts around it? Because the community around both yeah. of these opponents is going crazy because of that game. But you were, what, six, eight years old at the time when that was, was actually happening. I'm curious what the buzz has been like and how you've been handling that or just observing it. Well, you know, for me, it's just a regular game. It's a regular game against a great team in Texas. And um, for me, preparing, I've been preparing since um, Saturday night after Stanford, getting to watch them, writing down stuff. And for me, I just throw the hype out the way and just – treat it as a regular game like I did the first two weeks and um, get ready to play Trojan football with my brothers. Playing receiver here must be a blast when you got a guy like Sam just dropping in the bucket every once in a while. When you're running a route, is there ever a moment where you're blown away by where a ball literally landed coming from Sam? Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> last weekend, which was the um, my diving uh, touchdown catch and he he put it where I was going to go into the end zone and where the defender couldn't get it as opposed to putting it in front of me and I'm at the I want to say the three yard line trying to stretch out for a touchdown if I catch it but that was just an amazing throw and I was blown by it uh, watching it on film uh, it was crazy what type of quarterback were you back in the day me I like to I like to throw the ball. I didn't really like to run because it, for a quarterback, you just want to throw the ball. And um, and I had uh, uh, high school teammates who were so fast, I just threw it to them, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. <laughs> we ever going to see you uh, get an opportunity to throw a couple? Hopefully. Hopefully um, I'm down for it. I'm down for whatever. <laughs> I love that. All right, so before I let you go, um, what I was most amazed with you, not only is your ability to play, and the type of student that you are, the type of young man you are, but you're a roller skater. Yeah. When did that start? <laughs> um, it started in 2005. You know, um, 
in day camp. Um, my mom would send me and my brother to day camp, and my day camp would take us to trips all over, like Knott's Berry Farm. And it was one trip that I always look forward to, and I was going to Skate Depot in Cerritos, and we were roller skating. And ever since then, um, I've just been roller skating. And, you know, uh, it's it's a hobby for me, and I love to do it uh, every weekend on the off-season. And bowling is a hobby for me, too, so. I yeah. see so you can do a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I, I wouldn't say everything. <laughs> I like it. All right, so when we fast forward here, X amount of years, and you're a broadcaster, make sure you uh, don't forget the little people, okay, man? Yeah, you be rolling. of course, of course. <laughs> just kidding. Deontay Barnett, we appreciate you coming to the season of Sam. Thank you. And there it is, another episode in the books from Studio One underneath the Heisman Trophies in Heritage Hall. Big thank you to everybody who makes this one possible. Executive producers Tim Teslone, Paul Goldberg, as well as director of video production Rich Rodriguez, head of social media Jordan Moore, and of course our producer booking all of our guests, Katie Ryan. I'm Yogi Roth. Talk to you next time.